Now let's take you back to the 1960s and the key figure of this tale, Tim. It was his birthday. Now in unfortunate circumstances, it was in fact the last day that he saw his father. His father had met someone else and Tim's mother convinced his father to stay, at least for the birthday, and not to make a scene. His father worked as, as a bus driver, but for some reason he always he always believed that, 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 that Tim's mother wanted more, and that she wasn't quite happy, and, you know, he, he blamed a lot of his playing away and his cheating, his, you know, his ill acts, he blamed it on that. He said, you know, you, do, you don't see me as a man. And it was on Tim's first, first real um, experience of pain where he witnessed the departure of his father never to be seen again. And he knew his, his, his dad was making his way to the driveway. Everyone was still in the house, the family were there, but he could see the, the look on his aunt's and uncle's faces because... They looked reassuringly to make sure he was still having a good time, but he knew something dear to him. Uh, a figure, a masculine figure, was about to walk out of, of his life forever. And his, his mum had the oven gloves on and she was at the driveway of this lovely Cambridge manor that Tim's mum had inherited. That was also another reason why Tim's father was was up against it, he felt, because he could never compete. He could never give the family a home like that. I'm not excusing his actions, but these are the actions that he took in, in almost um, defiance to show that he was a man and he could stand on his own two feet. He went about it in the wrong way. Of course he did, of course. But he, you know, he had his cases and he, he put them in his car and he drove off and... He was about to wee, but Timmy never did. And his mum, inconsolable, just saw Tim shed a tear at the doorstep. We, we fast forward to, to the year 2000. So nearly 40 years on. And Tim, Tim now has his own family. Tim, Tim's a writer. He's good with words. That's one of his strong points. For sure, him and his other half, Genevieve, been married ten years now. Have certainly had their ups and downs, like any any married couple, but they've 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 gotten through it. Now this is uh it's Christmas two thousand, and of course, there's a lot of celebration, especially considering the year before nineteen ninety nine. People were stockpiling their homes with baked beans and jugs of water and crisps and anything sustainable that we might, we might have seen people do this year in 2020 because it was the millennium and people believed that the world was going to come to some sort of end, whether it was some sort of shutdown or network transport, um, some sort of technological shutdown. Um, so two, 2000 was a, was a great year. Tim had bought property uh, in London. Uh, one of his books uh, it, it talked about um, men's turn for masculinity 
it was it was released only a month I think I think it was that year that David Beckham scored the free kick against Greece. Now that was in two thousand and one. That was in two thousand and one. But it was around the, the, the time of Beckham making the headlines for different hairstyles. Anyway, Tim Tim did a book called Moving Masculinity Forward, and it was a huge seller. Uh, David Beckham actually endorsed it. Um, you know, he, he he was seen with with a book walking to Paddington Station one day, and and the the press snapped it and and Tim used that as his as his big go to. Beckham reads a book, you know. Anyway, he he made he made a lot of money off that, and he was able to buy property in London. So any, anyway, l- l- let me crack on a little bit here. Um, so it's it, it's Christmas and. Tim spends a lot of his evenings going for walks, but he likes to go for walks alone because he says to Genevieve that it allows him to break from the mould and create ideas from what he sees around him and he can't do it with other people around him, so Genevieve allows him that space. They've got two children, two lovely children, five years old, Ollie and Molly. Ollie, of course, Oliver being the boy, Molly being the girl. Molliver. Or uh, whatever you may add, wish to add to Molly. Um, he goes in these walks, but Genevieve doesn't know what he gets up to. She just thinks he's thinking about ideas for his book, etc. But the initial tale I told you when Tim's father left him on his fifth birthday, I didn't tell you what happened after that, but he went on a savage rampage and started popping any balloon in sight. Any balloon, he popped it. And it stayed with him for years. Any time he saw balloons, he popped it because it reminded him of when his father left him. And when he was able to release the air from the balloon, it was almost allowing himself to breathe. It was almost like his lungs could breathe again. His respiratory system was able to function at its full capacity. He had panic attacks. When he saw balloons, he could never watch that movie yet. You know, the clown with the, the balloon. And even when Molly and Ollie had their their birthday parties, he said, look, kids, I'll get you what you want, anything you want, but if there's balloons involved, there's no presents. He sent the children the ultimatum, you know. For, I mean, obviously from their first to their third birthday, they didn't understand it. But the fourth, he realised that Big Daddy Tim was not joking. And there was to be no balloons. But Tim never really came across any balloons after that. He eradicated balloons, any sort of sheath, any sort of latex format that could be expanded into sort of sort of airwave bubble. It was nowhere to be found in his life. But he was he was going about, you know, and he was he was he was up to no good on these Christmas walks. He wasn't finding inspiration for his new book. He wasn't doing what his dad did. He wasn't playing away from home, but he was certainly on the cusp of doing something rather irregular for a man of 40 years old. Tim would kick snowmen. He would bash snowmen to the last breath. Tim knew that most families would have their curtains drawn after 10 o'clock and that's when he'd go for his walks to claim that he was drawn for inspiration for new books. He'd made his millions for that book, Moving Masculinity Forward, the one that Beckham endorsed. You know, he he, he could write 
10 shite books for the next 20 years and still go off the back of that. Amazon reviews weren't a thing at that point, so the whole, you know, he said, she said type thing about reviews, it was, it was never really a thing, he could get away with it. He used to go about and he, he used to put on his steel toe cap boots and he used to say his wife, oh, it's so I don't slip. And obviously she wasn't going to question it. So with people's curtains drawn, he would go and he would just put the snowman right in the middle of its stomach and blow the whole thing to smithereens. Or other times he'd take a shovel and he goes, hey, Genevieve, I'm just going out to uh, shovel the driveway. I think there's some snow collected there. You don't want to have an accident. You don't want to have an accident, and she'd be like, "Yes, yes, absolutely, Tim. So glad you're thinking of me. You're you're fantastic." And uh, he would claim that he'd be doing a bit of shoveling. He's like, "Draw the curtains, Genevieve." Anyway, he'd go about and he'd smash the heads off these snowmen. And sometimes he'd he'd take the carrots, and he'd leave them outside the front doorsteps to the victims, to let them know that they'd been done wrong, and you know if they decided to build men of snow again, there could be a problem, you know, this is this is some real neighbourhood watch shit, you know, P- people were drawing their curtains, people weren't on alert for this type of behaviour, burglaries, certainly robberies, whatever it may be, people getting a bit of extra spare change, people breaking into cars, yes, but not, not smashing snowmen to, 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 to dust, Tim used to also pee in some of the snowmen because of the yellow snow. So, Tim uh, was coming back one afternoon. He'd, he'd, he'd been out and he had a few drinks. And uh, Genevieve says, oh, the kids are just playing out the back. You know, just let them be. I've, I've closed the gate. Uh, so Tim went out the back. He comes in through the back and he's going to give them a wee surprise. But you can see they're playing indoors, and they're all, you know, they're I don't know. They've got a new game, new board game, or I think Genevieve's let them open a open a Christmas present before the big day. They're getting into that. They're they're all happy as Larry. But as he walks in the back, he sees they've built a mini snowman, and he's like, oh fuck, he's like, oh. and you can just feel his foot going. It's a it's a, it's a bit of go. It's a bit you know when. One of those guys is on that um, bronco, bronco, busty bronco things, you know, the the mad uh, cow cattle things you hang on to and then they go mad, sh- you know, they, they, they go crazy. His, his foot starts lining up like that, like he's, out, g- g- he's about to give the snowman a big boot up the arse. And he goes, no, I can't, it's my kids, I can't, I can't, can't do this, can't do this, can't do this. But he knew you could get away with it because obviously it was the year 2000, like, you know, rich people maybe had the odd camera kicking about, but there was no smartphones. People could, people could get away with this sort of thing. I always think to himself, well, well, you know, how can I make it look like it's it's just been a bit of an accident, you know? So as, 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 as he's walked in, he's taken his left foot because that's his weaker foot. And he swiped the side of the snowman body. I mean, it's a poor, it's a, it's a poor snowman. It's five year olds. They're not making any sort of Picasso piece. But he's he's he's, he's dragged his foot right across the side of the body as to unlevel the poor fella. So when the kids go to play with it, they'll notice um, a, a big chunk of it missing. It'll probably keel over. But it's been it's been a windy evening that night, and uh, the kids are like, "Oh, mommy, mommy, look, our snowman's still up!" And she's, like, "Oh, it's so beautiful, so beautiful." 
uh, but you know the kids go for a bath and then they come down and then uh, Genevieve's at the back and then the kids are like mum and they're like go inside you're going to catch a cold what happened to the snowman oh it's, 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 it's fallen over it's fallen over in the wind and they were like no we created substantial support units which which for any building in the London EC2A postcode that would certainly hold firm because their dad also done a bit of architecture he was a bit of a dad. No, not the dad. Their, their granddad. So, um, yeah, so the, the snowman's fallen to its death and the, the mum's in tears because you see the kids crying and Tim's like, oh, come on, kids. It's only a snowman. There's more snow to be had. And before you know it, this, the rain starts flooding down. He was like, oh, well, look, kids, it wouldn't have mattered. He was going to get killed anyway. I mean... I mean, disposed of. I mean, not disposed of. I mean, he, he would have been melted. And they go, no, Dad, please. And the kids, and Tim's like, oh, my God, such crybabies. And Genevieve's like, Tim, that's your children. They're five years old. This is a special time for them. And she's like, can't we think of it? I did see... A caterpillar footmark in the snow. And I thought you said you came through the front door. And he's like, what, what, what did, I probably, you know, went went to check everything was okay. That the gate was closed because sometimes you can be a bit, you know, uh, you know, you, you can be a bit loose with your attention. And she's like, what are you trying to say? Those kids are my life. I've never left that gate once opened. And he goes, what about that time? She goes, yeah, I know, but... My mum had just died. And he goes, yeah, there was, so there was that one time. She goes, Tim, I can't believe you bring this up. And she said, but the caterpillar footmarks trailed around the snowman. And, and I, 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 I couldn't really notice it because I was in such distress because the kids were crying behind me. But why were you in the back when I told you not to go in the back? And he goes, look, you need to let this go. We're going to have a bottle of wine. We're going to eat some steak. We're going to have an early night. We're going to, I'm going to make passionate love. You're going, to, you're going to do no such thing. Tim, tell me, what happened to the snowman? He said, look, it was an accident. I walked in. I was at the pub, had a few drinks. I knocked it over. Uh, I, took, I took, a, took a chunk out of it. A chunk? She was like, it was, it was missing half his body. Even even if that wind had continued, granted it was rain, but if that wind had continued for another three hours, that that that, that little snowman would have would have still stood still, firm, firm in its structure as the kids suggested. He's like, "Well, I've got I've got something to tell you," and he's getting all painted up, and he goes into the cupboard and he gets a bottle of, bottle of, bottle of Jim Beam, and he says, "Put that down." He goes, "No, you want to hear some home truths?" He's like, I'm sick of this. Sick of what? Sick of what? The balloons. You never supported me during the balloons. And she goes, I told those children never to have balloons at their parties again. You know, when they go to when they go to parties and there is balloons, they think it's an alien thing. They want to leave. They start crying. You've created you've created some sort of trauma. And he goes, you know what the balloons did to me. My dad left me that day, and when I saw those balloons, I had to pop them. But it didn't end at that. He goes, Tim, 
And he goes, whilst you think that I'm going about and thinking for ideas, she's like, you've been seeing someone? No, 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 not like that. I beat snowmen up. Uh, I eradicate them from the community. What? And she thinks back to a newsletter she saw. She's like, what? Well, that was you? The caterpillar kicker? Hi, that was me. I wouldn't hesitate to do it again because, what, that's giving us some sort of delight? Well, we've got snowmen in the community. Tim, I don't understand. So, what you did this to the kids, snowman? And he's like, I but uh, I, I, I just have to do things. I have to smear things. I, I, for some reason, I cannot see something in its perfect form without having to take it down, to eradicate it, to destroy it, to lift it from its roots and throw it into the grinder, to to throw crystals and acid. To put through trees, through a woodcutter. Anything that's perfectly, perfectly formed. I, I cannot see it live. I cannot see it be. It cannot exist. Not in my mind. Look, everything is okay now, Genevieve. Let's just settle down. We'll have that bottle of wine. And she's like, no. She, she said... Only six months ago, I was supposed to go to Bristol and they didn't want me all of a sudden. I was the top candidate for that job. Genevieve worked in groundbreaking science for vaccines. She done studies with universities. She was top tier. And she had a prospect at Berkshire. But the story went something like this. Her and Tim went for an Indian one night to celebrate, which seemed to be her acceptance letter that she was sending to Berkshire. But on that night at the restaurant, the Ruby Blues, Tim had dashed out and he said there was an emergency. But not only had he gone to resolve the emergency, he'd taken Genevieve's acceptance letter. So we're back in the year 2000, and they're at the dinner table. Genevieve's like, Bristol, was all, sorry, Berkshire, it was all supposed to be so sweet, a new start, me involved in groundbreaking science. And she's like, did you have something to do with that? And he's like, I've told you never to ask me about that. What did you do? Look, I had plans for us in London. I had a house that was missing bricks. I wanted that house because this perfect life that you wanted in Berkshire, it couldn't be, it couldn't be, there was no way. I didn't want the 2.4 family, the two the two holidays a year. You in the front page of every science magazine, whilst I drop every flop book that doesn't get bloody, that doesn't make front page or I don't do signings and Waterstones or any other crappy bookie institution. What are you going on about? I sabotaged your letter. <laughs> what, Tim? Why? Do you remember that curry we were having and we thought it was absolutely sublime? It was a sub-Z, yes. Sub-G. Punjabis call it sub-G. 
I took the sauce, oh Tipno, please, and I smeared the remnants of the sub-G all across your acceptance letter. And not only that, a char, which is pickled. Yes, I remember, of course. I smeared that along the bit of the envelope where you lick it and seal it down. So my saliva stuck the letter, sorry, the envelope together and there was parts of a char. <laughs> You're sick, Tim, you've got to get help. This is all the help I need. I have to destroy things. And not only that, remember last year when the kids done that play about the millennium and how the world was going to end? Yes. I rearranged their lines. You were the one that had them sing that awful baked bean song. Yes. It was never meant to read like that, but how did it go, Tim? Remind me. Beans, beans, good for your heart. Beans, beans, make you fart. But Genevieve, listen, no, no, listen, that was only to demonstrate that beans weren't a protein. In fact, they cause flatulence. And anyone thinking about stocking them up out of some sort of nervous illusion that we weren't going to have food for the rest of our lives because of this bloody millennium, I, I was to dash that illusion, so that's why I told the kids to do that, so the parents would hear. You're sick. You're sick. Look, I've got one other thing to tell you and then I'll be off. You're damn right you'll be off, it's over. Our wedding with Jeff. Yes. Whatever happened to Jeff? Didn't go so well for Jeff, but... Oh, don't, don't tell me you... Don't tell me you switched his... His best man speech. Yeah. I knew he was drunk that night. I knew he was going on a bender. What did you do, Tim? You were so drunk you would never remember. Nobody filmed it because the tape was faulty that day, the video camera. But I'm the one that remembers. I put the end to his marriage. Do you know why? No. Because I was sleeping with his wife. Oh, Tim. And I wanted to be with her, but she had it in her mind that she was going to break us up in our wedding night. In our glorious night where I was going to make passionate love to you and give you our first kid. What did you do? I can't remember. I was so drunk that night. I remember we had a, we had a tribute band that played Blue, as in the pop band Blue with like the guys from Blue, Simon and whatever the other guys, Anthony and... Yeah. Anyway, I rearranged his speech to say that in my stag do, he visited a Thai ladyboy brothel and he engaged with them. Tim. Genevieve, listen, I'm so sorry. I, I know I sound, I sound evil, but listen, she's like, what else have you done? What else? When we bought this house... Those three bricks that had to be replaced. Oh, Tim. I didn't replace them. So there's a chance that in about ten years this house will fall to pieces. You're sick, Tim. <laughs> Please, just go. I'll go, but... You know that wedding plate your mum gave me? 
gave us. Aye. Let me throw it on the floor. Let me smash it, please. Do what you want. He smashes it and then he... He just kind of walks over it. And he leaves the house. And he's at one, one other thing. Aye, go on. One other thing, eh... Uh, I replaced the mayonnaise with snow. <laughs>